Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, I am so excited about the show today. We have um, such a fabulous lineup. We are talking about empowering the family spiritually. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how do I apply this in my own home or in my church, in my community? And I am so passionate about this topic. Um, We are going to be discussing this with uh, Michelle Anthony and Megan Marshman. We also have a special treat today with our guest co-host, author, singer, musician, worship leader, speaker, educator with tons of degrees. Her and her husband are both doctors and they have three children. So obviously they are um, extreme multitaskers. And uh, well, actually I'm done bragging about her and I'm going to give her a chance to talk. Hello and and welcome, Dr. Natalie Eastman. How are you today? Good. Thank you, Patty. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm very excited about our topic and the women that we're interviewing. So really looking forward to this whole hour we have together. Well, before we get too far into just us chatting, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships, and we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And once again, this is Patty Wyatt. We do not have Lisa with us here today. She's actually in Jerusalem, and um, I was laughing because she sent me a message uh, just the other day saying, going to walk the old city this afternoon, when? to the Sea of Galilee yesterday, has spent two nights in Nazareth, toured the places where Jesus grew up. Pretty amazing. And I responded with, took my girls to see the Broadway play, hashtag wicked, last night, (laughs) walked in Old Town Tempe, spent the last two nights making sure my fingernail polish matched my ruby red high heels. Um, Pretty amazing. Changing the world one ruby shoe at a time. And uh, we we got a big kick out of that, of my shallowness why she's, you know, in the depth of spirituality. And uh, so today I'm going to redeem myself by asking hopefully some pretty amazing questions on on how we bring faith (laughs) into the family for our kids um, to truly, truly change Jesus. And uh, so with that, I'm going to just dive right in uh, and talk a little bit about our guest and uh, why so many young people are leaving the church after high school. This has been an ongoing topic for us in the last couple of years. Um, but more importantly, what can we do about this? What do, what do we as, as parents or as um, ministry leaders, what are we doing about this? So we have Michelle Anthony and Megan Marshman. Um, they just wrote this new book. It's called Seven Family Ministry Essentials, a strategy for culture change in children and students' ministry. Um, so with that, throughout the show, I'm going to give a little bit more of the decades of experience that you guys have. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm 
you have masters and doctorate degrees and all kinds of uh, once again all these degrees that give you uh, the credentials to be able to write this book and pour into us. Um, but just I just want to say welcome. How are you, ladies? Hi, I'm I'm doing fabulous today. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely, doing great as well. You guys are both in Colorado, correct? Now, Michelle, I, this is Michelle. I'm here in Colorado. And this is Megan. I'm actually out in California. California. Yeah, Megan, you have that California look about you. <laughs> Coming from Arizona. Uh, I don't know if I should say, say thank you or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a compliment. That's a huge compliment. Okay, good. Um, so, okay, I just want to just dive right in. Um, why do you guys think that the, this this book, Seven Family Ministry Essentials, is such an important book for the times in which we live? Well, I, I will start by saying that without some kind of path or goal or plan, uh, we find ourselves kind of just wandering through this thing called family and faith. And and then researchers will come along 10 or 15, 20 years later, and they'll document what happened or took place and what the results of that are. And we all scratch our heads and say, well, how could we allow this to happen on our watch? So I think this is an attempt to add another brick to kind of the um, this wall that we want to build around our faith and our families to protect them, to to ensure that they will last to the next generation. And we have to create essentials. We have to say these things are essentials and these things um, are programs or trends or things that can come and go. And what are those things that will pass on our faith to the next generation and in a powerful way that it will be able to pass on to the following generation in our absence. Both of you, um, both Michelle and Megan, this is my understanding, and this is Natalie, you guys either are still working for or have worked for David C. Cook Publishing, right? Yes, that is yes. correct. And um, and I want to I, I want to just say let me give you a little bit of my own background. That at my church we use the True Curriculum, which How is fabulous. Which is yeah, which which was the first exposure that I'd had, ironically enough, to a family ministry centric ministry rather than calling it a kids ministry a youth ministry it's a family ministry and um and i i commend david c cook for having that vision and uh and developing stuff and this is seems like a very natural follow-on to that a little smaller little piece of who i am is throughout the 90s for 10 years i was in youth ministry and uh, i ministered to junior high senior high and college uh, students the staff that Help the students and the parents of the students. And, uh, and I talked about these things, but I realized one reason I was so excited about this show is that a lot of that was theory for me because I did not yet have a family of my own. And uh, now I have kids ages five, seven, and almost nine. And every day I'm asking myself the question, how do I raise them? to know and love the Lord. And uh, I'm delighted you've written this book. And I wanted to ask you guys specifically, um, what do you guys see as the greatest threat to families and the church today? And how does your book 
help us in addressing that? Yeah, that's a great question. I This is Megan speaking. I would jump into the word focus. Like Michelle was saying earlier, it's so easy to feel like you, um, and this is kind of a funny thing, but I feel like when I, when I talk with parents, they simultaneously feel like they're doing too much and not doing enough at the exact same time, which I find oh, really sure. interesting. And I think the problem would be a lack of focus. Again, hence why Michelle and I, taught, um, when we got together to write this book, it really was that conversation of, what is that? Those what are those essential things that we can focus on, and then everything else. And does, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be doing more. It means the stuff that we're going to be doing is going to be intentional. And then naturally, you can weed out the things that are unessential to make sure that the things and the time that you're spending is spent in the most appropriate places. Hmm. Michelle, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, and um, I would add um, busyness, and I think that's a companion of lack of focus. Because I think without focus, we think in the accumulation of a lot of good stuff will create something great. So parents have their kids and themselves in so many activities and so many, um, you know, offerings that the world offers or the school offers or the church offers that they're just absolutely exhausted and they fall into bed at the end of the night, only you wake up again the next morning and do it all over again. And then we come along as the church or as spiritual leaders and the academics or wherever we are, and we say, hey, we want you to be discipling your children. And they look at their calendars and they think, we don't have any space. I have no time and I have no energy to do that. And they hear it as something extra to do rather than something to um, make time for carve out time saying no to some other things or just to weave it into the natural things that they're already doing because there are some things we just have to do to live in this world when we're raising children. Um, so I think busyness and focus, those are two things that it takes some time to sit down and to actually say no to some things and then to think, how do I weave this in in natural ways? Yeah. How do you guys help church ministry leaders know how to help parents in that way? Because that's, well, I mean, I I know that's what the book is all about. So I'm, I'm opening yeah. the door to say, speak about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think for, I think to come alongside, first, the very first thing that has to happen is, uh, is that a ministry leader or a parent has to be awakened by God's spirit. Like they have to themselves say, this is important. We can't just should parents into their role as spiritual leaders. We can't just guilt ministry leaders into creating programs that have a holistic approach to family. That's that's the work of the Holy Spirit that has to go before us in that. I think once that happens, if we can offer real solutions and real steps, and it won't happen overnight, but if we can give them some steps to say, hey, think about the way that you're doing ministries. Are they completely segmented or do you have opportunities where you can create an intergenerational approach? Are you equipping and putting resources in your parents' hands that are quality that actually directly impact the spiritual vitality of their relationship with their student or their child? Are we, is our language inclusive and holistic? Is it giving them inspiration and goals and focus? Um, are we cluttering their lives with a bunch of things? And I think through a series of questions and, and an offering of resources and a concentrated path, you can start making changes in your ministry or in your family. Well, um, I, I love what you're talking about on, on the resources. And I, and I think many times what takes place um, as a ministry leader is we, 
just like you guys were saying, we're fragmenting the families just by giving them um, so much content Mm -hmm. that, yeah, programs. And rather than, like you said, it's that lack of focus where, where should I have my child and what is going to benefit him or her the most in his walk with Christ to where they're really, you know, craving Jesus rather than just another, another program in place. Well, we're getting ready to take a very quick commercial break. And when we come back, once again, we are going to be talking about how to keep faith in your home to where your kids, when they move out, they are embracing their faith as well. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Do you enjoy push-ups, lunges, crunches, and pull-ups? Does a workout full of intense mix of strength training and aerobic elements thrill you? If you like vigorous workouts with bursts of forceful activity alternated with intervals of lighter activity, check out boot camps in your area. Boot camps are popping up everywhere, from parks to schools to YMCAs. The popularity of this workout is building, and more Americans are heading to boot camps for their fitness. The Mayo Clinic reports that the average exerciser burns approximately 9.8 calories per minute during a typical boot camp workout, which makes it a good activity if you're trying to lose weight. It also helps with endurance. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show. We are discussing how do we raise our children to crave Jesus and continue their faith when they leave the home. And we are uh, discussing this topic with Dr. Michelle Anthony, uh, the vice president and publisher of learning resources at David C. Cook and a popular speaker in the area of family ministry. She is the author of Spiritual Parenting, The Big God Story and Becoming a Spiritually Healthy Family. Michelle has a graduate degree in Christian education, Bible and theology 
theology, as well as more than 25 years of family ministry experience. And we are also speaking with Megan Marshman, the Director of Student Resources and Production for David C. Cook, and has led and challenged thousands of students in their faith at Hume Lake Christian Camps. With a master's degree in organizational leadership from Azusa Pacific University, Megan speaks nationally at churches, conferences, and university chapels. Um, so once again, Megan and Michelle, thank you so much for being on our show today. And, and I know as we're discussing this topic, I had a, a listener um, email in, and she's in a situation where a very close friend of hers' daughter, uh, who she has raised in a Christian home, has been posting all kinds of things on social media which I guess has more of a sexual nature to it. And she is wondering, as a parent herself, do what do you do in that situation? Do you bring it to her friend's attention? Um, loving this person, loving you know her her friend's daughter, um, or do you just let this slide? how How would you answer that for her? man, that is that's a that's a great question i would i would this is megan speaking i would suggest um continuing a consistent relationship with that friend to start out with i think oftentimes we jump in even if we haven't talked to someone in a long time we jump in with a problem or with an agenda or with what we want to talk about and i would say the very first thing is i'm sure that that young girl obviously um needs to have conversations but specifically with her parents um maybe her mom if they're in a relationship i would say get the conversation started with how is life? How is life in the home? How is the daughter? Show that you care before you go into um, having that very difficult conversation, which I do think needs to happen. But again, I think it needs to be prefaced with this deep, deep love and care for not only that mom, but also that daughter. So then when the, when the controversy kind of gets brought up, it's brought in, in that sort of light versus a, I'm calling this out. This is what I see where a mom could quickly get defensive or argumentative or just simply hurt. I think just knowing that she has people that are in it with her that want to come alongside her would be a beautiful approach. You know, this, this is Natalie interjecting um, because uh, that's, that's, that's a fabulous response. And it leads me to um, asking the question I, I am praying and trusting that there are plenty of parents listening to this show today. And, uh, and I know that many of them are like me who may have been may or may not have been walking with Christ for a long time, but they're desperate to have a relationship with their kids. And let's say a parent doesn't have a relationship with their kid, um, you know, a good one, or maybe they've made so many mistakes and they don't know how to repair that, or they haven't been living a godly lifestyle for their whole life. It's new for them too. Um, what are some practical other practical ways that parents can make spiritual deposits into their kids' lives. Mm. It's good you bring up different family structures because there there are so many today. Um, we're broken people. We're imperfect people raising imperfect children in an imperfect world. And so, first of all, I think we have to acknowledge that we are the only thing that we all are doing in our imperfection that's the same or should be the same is that we're pursuing a perfect God together. And so the perfection is not upon my relationship or upon my parenting. It's really upon fixing our eyes on Jesus, and he's the perfecter. He is the perfect one. 
So I think nurturing relationships come together when we can first say that. I think a lot of times parents um, have a tendency to act like we have it all together and come down hard on our children. I think to be able to be humble and honest to say, hey, look, I'm not going to always get this right. And I've, I've made mistakes and I will continue to make mistakes. Um, but I'm going to come to you and ask for forgiveness. And I want us to be in right relationship. But I also want us to be pursuing God together. And so taking those steps to humble ourselves, to admit our weaknesses, to admit our past failures, to seek forgiveness, not just to say I'm sorry as a blanket statement, but to seek forgiveness and to allow that person to have time to grieve or to be wounded and for them to honestly tell us the things that have broken our relationship or have hindered our relationship. Those things are important for parents and we have to become good listeners, not just good talkers. Mm. You know, this, um, uh, Patty was telling me that you, this is Michelle speaking, right? Yes. Okay. I just answered. Um, Patty was telling me that you recently asked your son who's grown, right? Right. Um, you asked him about his own spiritual formation and I'm curious to know what he answered. Yeah. Well, it's really insightful. My children are 22 and 25 now, and the kinds of conversations we're having now are, are exciting and they are revealing. And, and I want to know that because I work with so many parents and I'm giving advice all the time, I want to know, like, are, did these things work and what didn't work and where did we go wrong? And did you have too much freedom? Did, did, were we too controlling? What, kind of perceptions do you have about God by the way we put you on display in our home and which sorts of things impacted you today that you still look at because I I can think of those things from my family the good and the bad I think one of the things that really impacted me about what he said was that um our we we kind of set aside the family time for whether it was called family nights or we would have a meal together later as they were in high school and even early college, we called it Sunday suppers because we did it on Sunday. But it was this time that we set aside for our family it was holy, holy in the sense of set apart, not holy in the sense of perfect, but it was a set apart time where we just took time as a family to talk, to ask questions, to pray together to sometimes be in God's word, sometimes to play a game or go on an activity or an outing. But it was time where we were together as a family and they couldn't be at sports or doing homework or work or whatever it was. And of all people, my son fought me on that the most. You know, it was this sacred thing every week, but he fought me on it. He always had something else he wanted to do. And even after he would come, he would, you know, I could tell he enjoyed our time together and he would thank me, but the next week he would bite me again. And when he said that this was the most shaping for him and his faith, I was just dumbfounded because I looked at him like, wow, you were the one who just, you know, made that so difficult for me our entire family time, our entire life. But it made me realize that some of those things are so important and we can't always take cues from our children. Um, if we go to hug our teenage daughter and she recoils a little bit, um, hug her again next time, hug her again tomorrow, hug her again the next day. If we um, say words of affirmation or we call out something in our children in a blessing or something like that and they roll their eyes, 
do it again tomorrow. Um, we, they, they aren't always good um, judges of what is helping them and forming them for the long haul. Hmm. That's great, great advice, Michelle. I, I actually think it's interesting. I just recently took my, my daughter on a little weekend trip, and I asked her um, sim- a similar question, and then I asked her how I was doing as, as a parent. And um, be, be careful when you ask that question because our kids are <laughs> way, too, way too honest. <laughs> I learned more things from that question than, I, than I've learned in a decade. Um, but I... I I find that when you do that checkup with them, it is really interesting to see um, exactly what what you said, Michelle. That it's it's some of the the funniest things where you feel like they're not listening to you, and you realize they they were actually listening, and that is part, you yeah. know their their journey of the things that you thought um, that they were the the most angriest, I guess, at you. But uh, I do want to say um, in some of the ministry leaders that I have uh, talked to um, in asking them if they are consistently doing a Bible study or a family, you know, devotional every night or it was interesting to find out how many did not and that their kids still walked in their faith because it was more about it not being so manufactured and it was more about what you were saying, having that dinner time together, you know, maybe you would have those sacred holy moments, but it wasn't this manufactured, we're going to sit here and we're going to, you know, discuss the Bible for 30 minutes and then answer these, you know, workshop questions or, or whatever. <laughs> I think many times we, you have people, that are doing that and it it might work for your kids, but sometimes you see where the kids get a little bit rebellious when it, it's so manufactured that way rather than just asking those questions. Um, We just have a minute before we go into a commercial break. Um, is there just a tip on that, on having that, that family time that that's what we do too. We do Sunday supper which is really kind of sad in a way because we don't have dinner together every night. <laughs> right. But that's difficult and that's, that's the reality of it. But yeah, I would say um, make it fun, make it compelling. Like you said, that over manufactured life of spirituality um, is not compelling. Every time Jesus sat down with his disciples, he didn't open up the old Testament scrolls. He just did life with them. And if they, it saw a tree, he'd make, he'd make conversation about that. And he'd turn their eyes to the Father. He cared about their lives and their needs. And in that, he turned their eyes to the Father. That's the best way we can do that as parents. Well, thank you so much, um, just, just for that quick tip. And we are going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're talking about how children need uh, that spiritual information acted out for them and by them and that they, they learn by example and from doing rather than just the continuous, um, you know, so many times we want to preach it, but we're not living it and acting it out um, for them. So, Hold that thought, and we will come back discussing how do we keep faith in our homes. Oh, girls, 
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are talking with authors Michelle Anthony and Megan Marshman, who recently wrote the book, Seven Family Ministry Essentials. And I I would um, suggest that you run to go grab this book. It's for any leader who wants to see true spiritual formation happen within families of their church. Um, Also, just for parents out there that are just really struggling uh, to know, how do we um, disciple our children for a lifelong um, benefit of who they are in Christ? And uh, let's go back. Um, Michelle, I know you were talking about um, your son and asking him that question. Did you find any other insights when you were discussing that with him? And you said 22 and 25? Yes, that's correct. Are the ages. And how are they in their relationship with Christ? Both of my kids um, have said to us that it's really the modeling, it's the life on life that has had the biggest impact. And, you know, I'm an imperfect parent. My husband's an imperfect parent. So we raised two genuine imperfect children. <laughs> and so that's, we, you know, imperfection begets that. But what is so fun, I did, I spent um, a couple weeks with my son here over the summer. And, and then I just got to be with my daughter in California. And they love Jesus. They love his word. And um, they are 
pursuing the things that are going to make those relationships better. And when they stumble and they fail or they fall, they know to come to him to seek forgiveness. And they know that they can share those things with us. I think one of the things that's most beautiful about their walk with the Lord is that they don't feel that they have to be perfect. And that, that brings my heart so much joy because I see so many young Christian people who they try to dot all their I's and cross all their T's and, and do the Christian life perfectly. But in the midst of acting out Christianity, I think that sometimes we misrepresent what it means to be a Christian. And what it means to be a Christian is to say, I'm broken, I'm lost. And the gospel is such good news because of that. So I would say both of my kids love Jesus and they are very aware of their need for the gospel. And if that was the only two things that I gave my kids, then I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, and we're on journey. They're on journey. And we're on journey together now as they are young adults and we are older in our journeys. But we are, we're really happy, my husband and I, with where our family is. And we pray for our children every day because they have temptations and challenges that I didn't have at their age. And that my husband didn't have at their age. And so we pray for them every day. This is a, this is a tough world to live in as a Christian young person today. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that makes me think, Megan, you are absolutely in the trenches at Hume Lake, which, um, you know, probably a lot of people listening have heard of Hume Lake, but it has a many decade long history of introducing kids um, and adults, but kids being one of the most critical uh, ministries that it's stepped into, um, into a relationship with Christ, and then subsequently a life of service to the Lord. And also you speak frequently to youth groups and youth conventions and stuff. So all this stuff, you know, well, it's not theory for either of you, but there's, there's an in the trenches kind of a thing because you're right there directing ministries and trying to, you know, figure out what the Lord is leading you to to do there and how to be and do at the same time. And the, the person who wrote in to Patty, you know, um, we're struggling, parents are struggling with what do I do? There's so many influences on my kids. There's the sexual messages that they get from everywhere. There's the fear of, uh, you know, being introduced uh, to drugs uh, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm afraid in my own community of the heroin, you know, uh, epidemic and um, selfishness that we see in kids as well as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, kids and families struggling, the, d- the divorce rate, you know, soaring. And and when somebody thinks about the state of the family and all the things that are facing our kids, even within the church, it can feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But you guys, you know, one of your claims that you make is, you know, it could change in as little as yeah. one generation. Why Why do you say that? Yeah, I would say Michelle and I actually did a speaking tour about two years ago where we got to look around and, you know, we set up all these, there's all these family ministry leaders around the room and we're like, can you believe where our culture has come? And everyone's, you know, like, yes. And we're like, it's so difficult. And we brought up a lot of the similar things that you were talking about and you know, and everyone's going, yes, it's so hopeless, and we got to this place. And then we turned everyone, and I loved it, to the book of Genesis and said, not much has changed. Absolutely, <laughs> we're dealing with very yeah. unique things. And Michelle even came up with this funny trivia Bible game that 
you know, started calling out a little bit of the sins of some of our forefathers, you know, our fathers of the Bible and what they actually went through. I went, God is in the habit, in the habit of using not only imperfect people, but imperfect families to put himself on display. And if we were perfect, we would oftentimes just point to ourselves. So, gosh, when I, and it's, it's true, you're right about the statistics. I work at a camp where we get about a 1,000 high schoolers, and I sit in cabins with them, and you find out that the stats are sadly true. And I will say this, yep. if we focus on all the different statistics, we'll find ourselves trying to fix people fix versus problems. point them to the one who can. Hmm. And I think there's a different approach, and that's what I love about when Michelle and I wrote this book, or we actually get the cool opportunity to work on true curriculum that you brought up a little bit earlier Mm-hmm. That our job, whether it's as a parent or as a youth ministry worker or a leader or a volunteer leader, is not to change kids. It's to put them in an environment where they can meet with a living God who does transform. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. And watching Him do the work and then us glorify Him versus I recognize that as a leader, I found myself sometimes taking pride in my ability to convince people versus giving praise. And the moment I find myself giving praise, I recognize that's the transforming work that those young people need. Oh, amen to that. And that that um, that brings us back to the whole critical nature of, like Michelle mentioned, life on life and how it has to happen that way and how critical then it is for families to be involved as the essential critical uh, connection point to our youth ministries because – in camp situations and youth group situations, it's one or a few on many. But in a family yeah. situation, you have the the amazing position of being, you know, one on just you know a few, and uh, or two on a few. And um, uh, so, anyways, that's that's a the trenches nature of what you're doing is, and what this book can address is so. Beautiful. And I want to ask, that leads me to my next question. What kind of a vision do you guys have for how this book in particular can help families and the church in both kind of meta-narrative ways and the microscopic ways, both in terms of the the church uh, facilitating families I would say my vision, this is Michelle, I, I think my vision is that you mentioned this earlier. We talk about how dreadful everything is, but my vision is in one generation, we can change this. We really can, because if we get inspired about the authority of God's word, not just by saying it, but living under, bending a knee, um, dying to ourselves, um, saying no to the things that our society and our bodies say that we have to do or have, and we literally come under the authority of God's Word, of the Lordship of Jesus in our lives personally, then that trickle-down of our lives personally happens in our children's lives. And we model for them what it means to live as a Christian in a foreign environment that is hostile to our faith. And we ask forgiveness along the way. We receive the grace of Jesus that's abundant and his mercies are new and fresh every morning. And our kids get to see what their heavenly father is like in our homes. When we get it right, we say, guess what? That's like your heavenly father. And when we get it wrong, we say, I just want you to know um, that is not 
how your heavenly father is. That's not what Jesus would do. And so will you forgive me? And no matter what we do, whether we get it right or we get it wrong, we put him on display. Those kids are going to have a compelling reason to follow this Christ for the rest of their lives. Mm. And in one generation, we can put him on display so that they will do that for the next generation. Hmm. I loved, um, Megan, what you said a second ago about you know, there's there's kind of nothing new. You went back to Genesis and started there and said, uh, look, it's just history repeats itself. And I was saying to Patty before the show, um, there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. you know, just like the writer of Ecclesiastes says. And and Proverbs is constantly, you know, telling parents what to tell their kids. But it does seem like we need resources, uh, it doesn't seem like we need resources like your book. And I'm just so grateful you've, you've written it. And Patty, I'm going to let you take us into uh, the break. Yes, we do have a commercial break here coming up, but I, I was laughing at the same as we go back into Genesis. And I, I once heard, you know, Adam and Eve had the best parent ever and look at the choice they made. <laughs> you know, that always brings right. back into perspective <laughs> that we do have free will and um, we are, we're broken. And it's that daily, you know, I, I keep saying that to my, my children. It's not like this one time gig. It's that daily, just surrendering it over to the Lord, getting under the cross and going, God, what, what do I do today? Who can I have an impact on today and put people in my life that will have an impact on me? And I'm, I'm always begging, you know, take the fear away. Do not let the enemy have my children. And with that note, once again, we are talking with Michelle Anthony and Megan Marshman, and they just finished their book, Seven Family Ministry Essentials. And when we get back, we're going to talk about where you can find that book and a few more tips on how we can um, take that book and bring it into our own homes that uh, so many times our houses are um, inundated with this subculture and consumerism and this handbook offers definitely a new measuring stick to gauge effectiveness in ministry so we will take a quick break and we will be right back This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. We live in an instant society, and we don't like to wait for anything. When it comes to weight loss, we want that extra weight off now. Even though the temptation is there to try a crash diet, it is not the best choice. You need to lose weight gradually, not instantly. When you cut your calories back too much, you will feel fatigued and have very low energy. Harvard Medical School recommends that women do not go below 1,200 calories a day, and men do not go below 1,500 calories per day. A sensible goal is to try to lose a half a pound to a pound a week. Don't skimp on essential nutrients that your body needs. Losing weight does not have to be a dreaded event. It should be positive and will give you extra energy when it's done right. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We have Dr. Natalie Eastman uh, co-hosting with me today, and we are discussing um, their great book, Seven Family Ministry Essentials, Michelle Anthony and Megan Marshman. Um, once again, we, we were talking about um, how do we bring uh, some of these concepts that you guys have, have written in your book. And first of all, where can we find your book? Anywhere books are you, sold. You can do Amazon or, <laughs> yeah, any retailer. Okay. And I believe you can find them both on our website. I think um, mine is michelleanthony.org, and Megan, yours is megansfate.com. Okay, and perfect. And if you go on to the Girlfriend It site, you'll be able to find them as well. And um, just... As we're wrapping up the show here, um, you guys have a, a question in there on parents are so quick to pick up a book about potty training. This just makes me laugh um, or, or how to discipline. But yet we're hesitant to try to learn about how to teach our children spiritual discipleship. And um, give us a little bit more insight on that comment. Oh, I yeah, think I would. Me, um, go ahead, Michelle. Go ahead, Megan. <laughs> no, you take it away. Take it away. Okay. Well, mine just quick, and then I want you to be able to speak too. But I, I think, um, I think that we have to acknowledge the enemy in that to cause us to doubt. Because um, I am not a professional athlete. Um, I don't know if you noticed that, but I'm not, and I still taught my children how to be physically active and healthy. Um, I am not a, you know, a registered nutritional nurse, but I, I bought healthy foods in our family and made good choices. Um, I'm not, you know, a math wizard or a physics person, but I tutored my children and what I could when they had their homework. The same is true. I don't have to be a pastor or a seminary professor. I don't have to have all the knowledge before I can just help my children take baby steps. And I can take baby steps with them, um, reading a book together, um, even reading prayers over them if we don't know how to create our own prayers, um, getting devotional books or online resources that will just help us take baby steps. And what I've seen is when people are faithful to take baby steps, that muscle grows and they feel more confident. So the other things in our life, 
we don't feel like we have to be professionals about. Let's not overthink the spiritual realm as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree, I would agree completely because uh, if my parents were perfect, it, I feel like it wouldn't offer me much hope mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's mm-hmm. kind of how they even came across in those conversations. One advice I give to a lot of parents is to learn alongside your kid, like especially if there was a moment that maybe you were reading the same scripture passage and may not look like you walking into the living room and you sitting down together and turning it, you know, turning it page by page together with an 11th grader, but it might look like, hey, what are you reading this week? And then joining them in that and then showing them that it, it awakens you, that you learn from it versus you know all the answers. And then why would, why would you keep reading your Bible if you already knew everything? And so I think taking a different posture, especially with middle school and high school students, parents, if I can shout out to you, is to learn alongside the most compelling relationship I have with my mom is actually now because I feel like she suddenly dropped all the weight of teaching me, and rather she's now going into a new mode of showing me how much she loves and depends on God's Mm -hmm. Word, and that's a brand new thing for her and I's relationship, and I actually have a baby coming along the way, my first one in three weeks, and it's a new posture that I have to adapt with my young person versus feeling man, I have to have it all together because, again, that won't offer much hope. But showing that I love and need Jesus will provide exactly what he needs. Mm. Mm. Amen to that. And this, um, what, you're having a baby in three weeks? True. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Very exciting. <laughs> um, so there's, uh, there's a, a a logical question that comes out of this, which is, all right, so if parents learn alongside their kids, basically, and, and the best, the, I think the best posture we can have in front of our kids uh, is that of falling on our faces before Jesus and clinging to the cross. <laughs> like, that's like the best, that's the, the only posture I can offer my kids. But um, so how much responsibility falls on the church, though? To, mm. to raise our young people in, in the Lord. Yeah. Well, I, the scripture is clear that the work of the church is to equip the saints to do the work of the Lord. So it's our job as the church. And I, I've worked in a church for many years, and I got a little off track at times where I thought it was my responsibility to raise the next generation rather than equipping the saints to do the work of the Lord. And in this case, equipping parents to do the work of the Lord in their homes. Because after all, the abundance of hours that they have with their children in real life situations uh, is far greater and far more relevant than the, the hour I may have with them once a week. So our responsibility really becomes one of an equipping ministry. Uh, so like we said, resourcing, challenging parents, encouraging parents, inspiring them, um, supporting them along the way, but to continually say, um, this is your job, but I will help you do it. And rather than, oh, you're failing, let me take over for you. Um, we have to continue to help them use the gifts that God's given them to do the work that God's given them. How and do I, you, and to add so go, on, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, to add on to that, I love when Michelle, Michelle and I were writing the book, even thinking about the titles of different chapters, I'm thinking of uh, chapter two, which originally was, you know, family is primary, and that's, that's a fact. And so we wanted to communicate to a lot of church leaders, 
the family, you know, give the biblical basis for this. But there was a moment that we finally decided, what if it was a different posture? And we changed it from a fact, which it is, the family is the primary way in which we can disciple our kids and the God, that God calls us to. We changed that chapter title to empowering family as primary. So because they are, it doesn't mean that a youth group looks at a parent just and then therefore tosses the responsibility over to them, but someone that you would take the posture and say, hey, this is absolutely inspire them into their God-given roles, but then to come alongside and empower and equip them to take on that role, which then then becomes actually more of a partnership. Yes. And the elephant in the room question is, what about, well, backing up, churches often excel either at an outward posture toward the community or an inward posture of kind of circling the, circling the wagons and, and focusing on discipleship. Um, the, the, the elephant in the room question to me is, what about kids that uh, may or may not be in the church circle and are on the fringe or not in there at all? I mean, that's a little hard, but uh, how do we raise up a kid? How do we focus on the family of the kid whose parents or parent is not going to church? And h- how do we do that? Michelle, do you want to take this one? <laughs> well, I love that she, she tosses that to me. I mean, Megan, you've obviously worked with so many students who come from really, really difficult homes. And I think that we see this a lot in youth ministry because it's obvious because yes. maybe they came with their friends, but it's still inherent in children's ministry too. It's just not as obvious. And the, the deeper that we peel back those layers of the family, we see brokenness, dysfunction, and a lack of spiritual vitality at all ages and stages. We, Megan and I like to use a term called, what do we do with the spiritually parentless children? Uh-huh. I wrote a book called Spiritual Parenting, and it's really a commission for how parents can spiritually you know, influence and disciple their children. So it begs the question, what you just asked, what do we do with spiritually parentless children? And the thing is that spiritual parenting comes in all kinds of ways. Um, It comes through grandparents. It comes through neighbors. It comes through mentors. It comes through youth leaders. It comes from pastors and teachers and coaches. We have to look at the family of God for spiritual parenting, my um, my husband did not have a spiritual father. His father didn't know Jesus and um, didn't really even love on my husband as his son. And he died when my husband was 20 years old. As my husband entered into his college years, he was fortunate enough to be at a Christian college where he had spiritual fathers in his professors who to this day speak into his life and, and mentor him. And my husband has impacted thousands of young men through his time as being a professor at a Christian university as well. And you wouldn't think that that legacy would come from somebody who wasn't spiritually parented by his father, but First of all, the Heavenly Father spiritually parented him, and then he made sure that other men came alongside and spiritually fathered him or parented him as well. Yeah, and it, Michelle's right that it, it sometimes is really blatant, specifically in student ministries, because you wonder how do those students get, you know, with elementary at least have parents dropping kids off for the most part. Um, and so when I think about um, student ministry, I would say two things that come that come to it. Number one, one of the best um, one of the best 
ways to put Christ on display is by a, a teenager being transformed. So imagine a, a parent who doesn't know Jesus watching their young person become transformed. That can become a primary influence into the life of that parent because it takes the work of God to transform a teenager not to be thinking primarily about themselves. And so I would say that's mm-hmm. one tool that family is still primary. And then secondly, and our book even offers um, a bunch of just different strategies to do in those types of scenarios, one of which is we actually, within the curriculum as well, for, which is called TRUE, we offer up something called Parent Shepherd, where we basically equip um, parents who are, you know, solid in their faith, who are investing in the life of their children, to also invest into the life of their children's friends' parents and creating strategies to say, hey, here's the, one of the best ways you can influence your child is to influence the home of your child's best friend. And so we're mm-hmm. taking a lot of different strategies and empowering the church to be the church absolutely primarily in their family, and then also giving them call, the call to make disciples. And what better way than the, than the actual friends of their own children? Hmm. That is great feedback. That's an excellent thought. (laughs) It goes back to that, you know, taking a a village um, to to raise our our children that um, we really, I know forever my prayer, because just being so involved in ministry is to, um, I'm praying all the time that God will put people in my, my children's life to pour into them while you're pouring into to somebody else. But we just mm. want to thank you guys so much for being on our show today. And once again, a special thanks to Dr. Natalie Eastman. Um, make sure you check out her new book, Women, Leadership, and the Bible. How do you know uh, what to believe? A practical guide to biblical interpretation. And you can find Natalie on Facebook and Twitter as well. So everyone have a great week, and we can't, to, we can't wait to talk to you next week. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's 